this is Kara Foster from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky, and you're listening to our sermons podcast. And if you want to find out more information, you can connect with us at www.madisonvilledisciples.org or come in person at 1030 College Drive on Madisonville, Kentucky. Subscribe and enjoy these podcasts. Over the month, I have been lifting up different people's encounters with Jesus. I talked about Nicodemus going to see Jesus at night, representing anyone who's ever wanted faith without any sacrifice or risk. Talked about Zacchaeus hiding up in that tree where Jesus sees him and knows him and heads to his house. And I've spoken about the Samaritan woman at the well who dropped her old water jars and ran to go tell people about this Jesus she met. And today I have two encounters with Jesus that I wanted to mention. These two stories that Mark tells are so interwoven, I felt that it was important to talk about both their experiences with Jesus. But the truth is, these two have some commonalities and how it came to be that they met Jesus. Uh, one is a father of a sick girl, and the other is an unnamed woman who has been sick for 12 years. And as I read this passage this morning, I invite you to listen and read along with me and listen for the commonalities and their two meetings with Jesus. I'm going to be reading from chapter 5, beginning in verse 21. It says, When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came and saw him and fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him, and a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, for she said, If I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you? How can you say, Who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it, but the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told Jesus the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And while he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble this teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, and the brother of James. And when they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child's not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. 
Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went where the child was. He took her by her hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this, they were overcome with amazement. Jesus strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Well, did you notice the first thing they share in common? This woman who touches Jesus' cloak, the father of a sick girl. They are desperate. Absolutely, totally, and completely desperate. Desperate people do desperate things, right? I thought of that this week as I was watching the news of the traffic on the interstate in the Ukraine as people were driving towards the Polish border. Desperate people do desperate things. Lord, have mercy. I hope you will join me in continuing to pray for this desperate situation for the Ukrainian people. We learn that Jairus is a leader of the synagogue. He's a respected man, a man with a reputation to uphold, but his kid is sick. And nothing will stop a parent from help when your kid is sick. He throws himself at Jesus' feet, practically groveling, begging him to go to his house to see his daughter. This respected man with a reputation to uphold is begging for Jesus' help. He's desperate. And while Jesus is distracted by the begging father and the crowd swarming around him, there is a woman, a hurting woman, who had been sick for 12 years, hemorrhaging. She'd been to doctor after doctor seeking help, but all she has gotten herself is a pile of medical bills. In her society, in her time with holiness codes as they were, for 12 years this meant that she would have been an outsider being rendered ritually unclean, untouchable, unable to be a part of daily life, unable to even enter the synagogue to worship, in the chaos of the crowd surrounding Jesus, she sees an opportunity. Maybe she thinks, if I could just get close to him. The scripture says she came up behind him in the crowd. She reaches up and just touches his cloak. And Jesus says, who touched me? And his disciples, I love this exchange here. You can see their annoyance by Jesus. You see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say, who touched me? And Jesus looks around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed. No wonder she sort of sneaks up on Jesus in the crowd. The disciples might have kept a woman like her away from Jesus. She's a woman. Her name's not even remembered. She is sick. She is unclean, and according to the laws of her day, if you touched a holy man like Jesus, you would make him ritually unclean as well. And Jesus shows her that she too is worthy of God's love and healing. Daughter, he calls her, a name of worth and promise and value. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. First, Jesus is made unclean by this encounter with the woman in the crowd, and then he heads straight to this 
respected leader's house. He doesn't stop and take care of the holiness demands of a holy man being rendered unclean. He goes straight to this house to see this 12-year-old girl who everybody's already said is dead, and he takes her hand. A double, a double break now of the holiness codes. He is holding the hand of this dead child, and he tells her to get up. Jesus steps over the religious rules of his day out of care and concern and compassion for two daughters of Abraham. It is a reminder to all of us, the church who serve in his name today, for all of us who dare to call ourselves a follower of Jesus, to be a people who are unafraid to cross bounds, to show care and compassion and love, especially to those, especially to those who feel like they are outcasts today. To remind them that they are sons and daughters of our Creator, loved and valued. Father of a sick little girl, a sick woman for 12 long years, they both run to Jesus. Both are desperate. And here's the thing. Can you think of almost anything you'd rather be than desperate? Than needy? Oh, no, no, thank you. A dear family member of mine who lives with a chronic illness has told me that one of the hard things about her diagnosis is that she realizes she is going to need people, that she's going to need help. And she said, I don't want to need help. I don't want to need or ask for help from anybody. And many of us are the same way. I think we are an independent bunch, right? Don't start telling us right to do. Wait, don't start telling us what to do. Right, there we go. We're an independent bunch. Pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps kind of people. You know the, you know the ones, I'm not going to name names here today, but these are people that might do things like ignore the Google Maps that are right at their fingertips and say, you know what, if I just drive west, I'm sure I'm going to hit it eventually. These are the people who try to put IKEA furniture together without looking at the directions. You know, I can do it, I can fix it, I know what I'm doing, I don't need to ask for help. We hate asking for help. And we tell ourselves, we do everything right. We take our vitamins, make our checkups, prepare, save, do everything right. That we can live our lives like the bowling alley with those gutter guards on them. We can never end up in the gutter. But you know what? It's not true, is it? Life can just be scary. Police show up at our door with our pastor by our side. And you know, the doctor can call you with the test results and the sound of her voice. You know the news is not good. Your wife tells you she doesn't love you anymore. The boss calls you in, budget cuts, we're real sorry. The global pandemic can impact the entire world and war can break out on the European continent. Try and try as we might, desperation finds us. There are no bumper guards to keep us 
from the gutter. You worry, you fret, you wonder if maybe, just maybe, this is when the train's gonna go off the tracks and you cannot fix it all alone. It's scary. Try and try as we might, desperation finds us. It occurred to me that these two stories have something else in common besides the desperation and fear. There's one very important thing that these two have in common. Did you see it? They both know they have to approach Jesus. They come to him in search of a blessing, yes, but they come to him in hope and in faith that he will see them that he'll see their pain, that he will not ignore them. Because remember, he is the one where no one is unworthy or outcast in his eye. No one is too far from his love. And they know this. They believe in this. He'd cross all bounds to get to them again and again and again. We see this in the stories of Jesus in the Gospels. I believe that's what we see as he breathes his last on the cross with his arms wide open to the world. Nothing will stop him from showing us this. And our two in the story recognize this about Jesus. They know they have to approach him. I remember a woman I met many years ago while I was working a night shift as a hospital chaplain. And words cannot describe to you how much I hated working night shifts. If you have ever been somebody who had to work nights, then I tip my hat to you because it is terrible. I hated it, especially as a hospital chaplain, because as a hospital chaplain on a night shift, you are either incredibly busy and in the ER going from the worst of life's tragedies and crises all night long, or it seems like it's total silence and there's nothing in, going on in the hospital and I was just trying to keep myself awake. And that was what happening on this night. I was literally just randomly walking through the halls of the hospital trying to keep myself from wanting to go to sleep. And I came across this woman who had her lights totally on in her room. It was about 3 a.m. And I popped into her room and I said, you are supposed to be sleeping right now. And she said, yeah, well, I'm having surgery here in a few hours and I figure they're gonna make me sleep with the medicine so it doesn't matter if I sleep right, don't sleep right now. And we got to talking. And it was very clear, I could see, that she had already lost a leg below her knee. And she let me know that that surgery she was having in a few hours was to remove her second leg. And I thought if anybody deserves to have a pity party, it's her. But she was having none of it. In fact, she told me that before I had come in there, she had been having a little conversation with God. She said, I was just thinking about how my first surgery, when they took my first leg, and that moment, I was just sure that my life was over, that my independence, that everything I loved about my life was forever gone. But God took care of me. God provided for me each and every day through that experience. And I was just telling God that I sure don't know how you're going to get me through this next one, but I know you will because I've seen it before. 
And she said, you know, and here comes the hospital chaplain walking into my room tonight to offer to pray with me. See, God is already caring for me. It's called faith, isn't it? Trust. You know, I was the one with the name tag that said I was a minister on that night, but I left that room knowing full well which one of us had been ministered to. Now, when you are needy, when you are absolutely desperate, here's the thing. You may wish you could run and throw yourself at Jesus' feet and beg. You may just feel like all you can do is barely reach from him. Reach for him. Reach for him. If the best you got someday is an outstretched hand and a simple prayer. I need you. I need you, Lord. If that is the only words you've got, then say it and pray it and name it and dare to hope and have faith that he hears you. And the one who has promised to never leave you or forsake you, who calls you daughter, who calls you son, Beloved, who raises you up and holds to you in a love that will never let you go. Amen. Amen.